New Zealand Tech Podcast, the voice of the tech community, proudly supported by Umbrella Connect. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain, today with Sarah Putt. How are you, Sarah? Kia ora, Paul. Very well. Thanks for having me on the show again. Lovely to be here, albeit virtually. Yes, well, that's uh, that's the world we're in at the moment, isn't it? So um, we we run with it, and uh, look, the tech the technology is is pretty good. So you know, we can we can still operate, and not to not too many dramas there. So yeah. um, we are a little bit reliant on uh, on a bit of Wi Fi and so on today, but I th- I think we'll get on all right. So um, maybe you can remind uh, listeners where you fit into this big wide world of of tech and the media here in New Zealand. Sure thing. So I am editor of CIO and Computer World in New Zealand. Uh, so work for a big company called IDG. And um, the titles have been here for, I don't know, 20 years, maybe 25 years. And um, now we're all online. So that's where I am. Cool. So, you know, probably the easiest way of saying it. And uh, and people can find that stuff across at CIO.co.nz and computerworld.co.nz. Exactly. Yep. That's exactly where they can find us. So go and have a look. Excellent, excellent. Well, um, lots to talk about today. There's a lot going on in the in the world of technology, and of course, as I sometimes say, the threads of technology run through pretty much everything in this world. So there's always interesting things for us to to talk about. Um, and of course, New Zealand's going going through. Um, some changes with our uh, with our lockdowns, with our MIQ system. Uh, so we definitely want to delve into that. There's some um, some startups that are doing interesting stuff that we want to uh, delve into, and um, a bunch of other a bunch of other interesting topics. Uh, we may even have time to. Um, to talk about uh, Theranos, um, currently uh, a court case and so on going on, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe a bit about SpaceX. Uh, so, yeah, pl- plenty there. So, um, yeah, to, to, to start with, um, one, of the, one of the things I um, became aware of this week is um, – we have a new company coming into this this meal um, planning space, which uh, you know, my food bag and uh, and HelloFresh uh, have been you know have done pretty well on. Um, certainly, you know, my food bag bag did a um, you know ra- raised a lot of money through their uh, their IPO. their yep. IPO their their launch onto the stock exchange. Um, the maybe the numbers haven't necessarily been so strong since, but it, I mean it, it, it's a pretty sizable company uh, in the scheme of it. Um, MenuAid are, um, um, are a very related sort of approach, but uh, but doing it in a more what would you say almost a, an, an Uber style um, you know approach, and that. Uh, you know, you pay them four dollars a week, and they will give you the recipes that you need, and then you've got that choice as to whether you take a, a food delivery, and um, they will give you the the content to be able to feed into, uh, you know, the countdown website, so you can place your orders and get your food that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so potentially a much more cost effective, um, you know, way. Of getting getting the, the sort of you know customized um, meal plans and 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 food not going to be as slick, 
um, but it, it looks looks really uh, looks really interesting, and um, they've been able to tap into um, by the looks of it Countdown's um, website. Um, nothing nothing yet with uh, with foodstuffs, um, but that's just the the nature of the way Countdown's uh, platform has been built. Uh, that it sounds like that'll be reasonably easy to uh, tap into and do an online order for the food should you should you wish to. What's your thoughts on this approach? I mean, is there uh, is there enough space in the market for a variety of of different um, offerings, or is it a little bit like uh, I don't know things like Netflix and so on, where you're just going to have one one company that tends to uh, be very very dominant? Well, I, th- I think that the offering is quite, in many ways, it's just a small part of what food, my food bag, for example. And like you say, there's what is it, HelloFresh and Whoop. There's quite a few out there. It seems like quite a competitive space. Um, so this one is, as you say, it's the menu. It's the it's it's five recipes a week. And, it, and you can either print them out yourself for $4 a week or you can go to, um, I think you can put it into the countdown site and they'll do it for you. And, and it'll automatically go through. So it's, it's, it's as if they've just got the top bit, which is the menus bit, and all the rest of it is being done by somebody else. So they haven't got that total control of end-to-end service. So, you know, with the my food bag, you've got the menu, then you've got that they're sourcing the food, then they're sourcing the delivery, then they're giving it to you. And it's, it's quite a massive kind of undertaking. This is just the recipes. It's a really, it, it'd be interesting to see how it takes off. I think the the bit that we haven't really seen in the past is this, because, um, you know, you can download recipes. You know, it's, it's one of those the many, many things that, uh, that you can do on the web. You know, there's just so many uh, recipes out there and there are lots of um, things like this. So I guess $4 a week, you're looking at kind of one of those recurring revenue type business models. Be hard to see how you can make a huge amount in New Zealand on four dollars a week in a consumer level, uh, but presumably it's very low cost. It's very low touch. You just you're just basically creating the recipes and you're aligning it with the countdown, um, you know, offering, uh, making sure that their products are fitting your recipes. Uh, I think from a New Zealand point of view, it's always good to have recipes that you know you can buy the the, the food and the items in the store. Um, and if you can be really interesting to see that if you in times like these lockdowns that we have, when those online um, platforms that the supermarkets have just get really overloaded, like they, you know, there's so many people wanting to, you know, the, the online delivery demand goes right up. Whether or not they can, they'll get priority queue. I don't know. I mean, it'd be interesting to see how it goes. It's an interesting idea. I mean, there's there's room for lots of things in, in the market, aren't there? There's there's all sorts of different ways of of doing things. Yeah, and of course, this is just their starting point. So yeah. you don't know what they actually might have up their sleeve longer term. But you know, if let, let's say they've got ten thousand customers, um, four dollars a week doesn't doesn't sound like much, um, you know. But over over a year, that's you know two hundred dollars. That would be a two you know two million dollar turnover business, and it probably wouldn't take much at that sort of price point to uh, to attract that sort of base you know base level. And of course. You, it is more like a, 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 a an Uber or a Netflix or um, an Airbnb type offering where there's not actually that much you have to do because you don't have any food to, you know, you don't actually have any food to worry about whether it gets delivered and so on, right? So you're sort of saying it's like a ladder of investment approach. So the Not first quite possibly, but... customers, the next round, like, you know, if you look at Uber, um, Netflix is a good example. They started off, you know, 100, whatever it was, you know, setting out the monthly DVD. 
And then they started to buy all this old content and it turned out that we actually really did want to watch a whole bunch of Friends reruns. Mm -hmm. And then they went up the ladder and now they just produce all this amazing content like The Crown, which just won all the Emmys yesterday. So it's the ladder investment approach. Be interesting. I mean, 10,000 customers, at the hardest the hardest thing you'll have is marketing, isn't it? It's, and trying to get out your message, especially as we see both Google and Apple bring in some pretty interesting privacy concerns where you can't just game the algorithm like you used to be able to. Um, you know, so it'll be it's an interesting time and, and I wish them all the best. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's worked in the past. It'll be interesting to see how they get on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, now, um, Heart Lab, who is uh, is led by uh, Will Will Hewitt, I heard him uh, speak at uh, at TEDx earlier on in the year. Um, uh, a really, really inspiring uh, leader and communicator. Uh, they've just raised three and a half uh, million dollars. So they're you know fairly new um, startup, but um, you know already out there. Uh, helping to save lives. Uh, they're, they're really, you know, my my um, recollection is it's it's machine learning. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're using artificial intelligence basically to, um, you know, look for look for patterns um, to analyze these ultrasound uh, images, and it's there to support, um, you know, I guess the the, the medical specialists. Um, who you know who would normally be looking um, at these ultrasounds and um, you know helping them uh, find things that they might miss otherwise and helping speed up their uh, their work. So yeah, really really interesting. Um, great to see that funding coming in um, from a, a range of uh, sources there. Um, you know, both local and 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 some and, and you know some heavy hitters internationally. So, yeah, pretty pretty encouraging. Yeah, and like you say, I mean, it's three and a half million dollars. I mean, that's a fortune to me. But it's you know, in in the tech world, it's it's a pretty sort of stand. You know, it it, it doesn't. It's not overwhelming investment it's probably the fact that you've got the backers um like the founders fund um like the um you know the ice house ventures you've, you've sort of got those names behind you and um absolutely i mean the, the the challenge for the health industry is is trying to find ways to take all that data that they are going to have just coming at them uh, from all you know as we become down the sort of road of more precise health what we used to call precision medicine i mean, I mean, data is the future of every sector and no more so than health. And you can see an application like this um, if it can gain traction, just being incredibly successful. And isn't it cool to see these things coming out of New Zealand and seeing these young entrepreneurial people who are just, you know, in the old, in, in the, in, in previous times, might have thought that they were doing incredibly well to work for a company like a Google or, a, you know, even Microsoft in its heyday, and that would have been the, the epitome. But now they're like, no, I'm going to start my own business, I'm going to start my own idea, and I'm just going to run with it. And I think it's fantastic that I think New Zealand can say we have starting to get that real, and I hate to use a word, it's, it's so overused, the ecosystem in tech to support these these um, young and interesting startups and, and older people too. Let's face it, we don't have to be twenty one as I think this founder is to start a tech company. Is no, not 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 at all. And um, I see that um, Ubco are out raising money um, as well. 
Yep. Um, so that that looks pretty interesting. They're looking um, to raise in, in the direction of um, um, maybe as much as um, thirty million, um, you know, US dollars. So over forty million uh, New Zealand. And um, uh, you know, ultimately um, working working towards um, getting getting listed um, via a SPAC, which is what you know what what we've seen with Rocket Lab uh, recently. Now, you know, I I remember trying out the Ubco bike, you know, very early on in the piece, uh, probably on a couple couple of occasions, and um, um, you know, it's just amazing all the bits and pieces that have to come together. Uh, to to you know build these successful companies, and um, I'm just re- I'm really impressed to see uh, to see the way that they're they're going. You know, Ubco it's an it's an electric motorbike uh, looks suited to farms and deliveries and you know all all manner of things. Um, but you you know you kind of look at you look at it and you think, well, what's the rocket science about that? But it's not. Uh, it's not just the technology that's in there; it's how they've gone to market, um, and uh, how you know the the achievements that they've, they've managed to uh, make in terms of you know building up a, a dealer channel and all these other bits and pieces. Um, that uh, yeah, what looks like a reasonably simple invention, um, if the you know if they're successful, um, yeah, becomes another hundred million dollar uh, you know Kiwi business. Absolutely. And, and let's face it, we've got um, some some great pedigree in this one, which is, um, you know, when we think about was it the Hamilton jet boat engine, am I, am I right in thinking that one? You know, so we've, we're not, we, we, have a, we have a kind of a nice little history in New Zealand of all these kind of um, different strands and um, around, um, you know, innovation. It doesn't come out of nowhere. It builds on innovation that was there before. But it's awesome to see... Um, uh, like you say, all these different entrepreneurs coming to the fore. I'm often struck by the energy of these people and the fact that, you know, if you want to make it in the States or somewhere else, you're getting up in the middle of the night every night to do to do this. I mean, it's a, it's a huge, it takes a huge amount of energy and enthusiasm and, and know-how to do that. So um, fantastic that we've got this kind of starting to get the supportive ecosystem, not just in our founders, but in our VC as well. You know, you've got to have everything in place, right? Um, there, there, yeah. It's um, it's so critical that we have the this broad skill set and um, you know, the right expertise to be able to um, um, uh, you know, really, really, uh, you know, achieve at the highest levels. And um, you know, thankfully, we've we've had just some incredible success stories. That have you know led led the way, and um, you know Rocket Lab, of course, being one of the one of the most recent ones. I I saw their uh, share share price was was up fifty uh, percent, and uh, um, I bought a very small quantity, um, oh, but but I but I but I don't mind if they keep heading heading in that direction. Um, you know, I'm I'm not in to really make a lot of money there, but uh, look, it's, you know, it's it's really exciting to see. Um, and uh, yeah, it is a reflection of lots and lots of things that have been got that have been done right and executed well, and of course, um, some very very strong uh, strong leadership there. So um, mm. yeah, exciting times. Now um, on to uh, on to other matters. The uh, 
managed isolation and, and quarantine uh, systems have been getting a little bit of media attention. I think it's uh, I think it's fair to say, um, yep. you know, and and look, be, because this is is really such an important thing uh, for Kiwis who are overseas, especially. Uh, who are wanting to get back into the country and then, you know, um, topics um, like, you know, bringing the the, 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 the next generation of, of experts into the country um, to, uh, to, you know, help us in the tech sector where we, we maybe have some gaps in, in, in skills and expertise and the number of people available in, in certain areas. Um, you know, we've got this challenge for getting people into the country and, you uh, um, look, I, I understand the the challenges. There's uh, you know things are moving pretty fast. Uh, you know the the government have gone from one system which um, uh, you know allowed people to book, but but was problematic to another system which I think is a is a step forward. Um, but you know I'm sure there must have been a, a, a lot of debate around what that next step should be in terms of systems um and we see over thirty thousand people have tried to get through this new system yeah and yeah. you've got i guess you've got two issues one there's there's not a lot of you know um miq spaces so you know regardless of um you know how good the technology is you actually don't have enough space for everybody to get through at pace um but then you've got this thing around fairness and around how do you prioritise those people coming in. But th- there's been um, there's been a fair bit of sort of discussion around around this. I see um, Sari and Taylor uh, weighing in on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else? There's been a bit of co- commentary that you you mentioned before we kicked it, before we yeah, started. Absolutely. I mean, like you point out, you know, the thing about this new system that came online is that now everyone can see who wants to come in. And it's, what is it, 30,000 or around that number of people. Uh, and they're New Zealanders. They, you know, this is their home. Um, and it's just, it's tough all round. There's no easy solution. But there is an argument to be had as around priorities. And, you know, there's been a lot of people, um, you know, talking about the fact that, what if we build our own facilities or we we enabled some way because we know especially in tech is, is and obviously that's a, a sector dear to our hearts we know that we have got a bit of a skills crunch it's actually around the world but whereas we've been able to import a lot of our skills we're just not able to do that in a lockdown and you know in the last 18 months one of the things that caught my eye, and I have to credit the New Zealand Herald for picking it up first, was an, a, a blog post on LinkedIn by Anna Komenik, who I think you've um, spoken to before, and she's heads um, WISC, which is the ear, the, the taxis, isn't it? The autonomous ear, ear taxis. The key word there being autonomous. Autonomous, which is that um, development down in the South Island sort of tied around you know, I think Larry Page is part of it and Boeing and all those big companies um, and she's saying you know they really they need to get this expert in from Australia they've, they've got to go in the queue like everybody else they'd like to talk to the government about what they can do and they, they she even told the Herald you know they're prepared to kind of um, what's it we would have no issues paying extra for a dedicated um, quarantine facility so there's a really interesting quandary you know do we make it so it doesn't matter how much money you have or how much you know good you might be doing from a New Zealand economy point of view 
or do we make it fair for everybody? Um, you know, I think we've got to start being, if we're going to be in this situation for too much longer, we've got to start having a nuanced view. Um, and that's got to be, you know, what does that look like? And so I think there's some really interesting discussion points there because at 18 months, I think the business sector, the tech sector, many sectors are just saying, we've really got to stop doing what we're doing. It's not, it's not working. We either start this gradual reopening, which will bring in a whole bunch of other issues or we start looking at you know investing more in our quarantine solutions so I'm kind of glad I don't have to make the decisions on that but yeah the, yeah it's um players. it's de- yeah. it's definitely a, a challenging one but I think um you know there, there, there's there's something to be said for how easy it was for for instance the the agricultural sector fruit picking to be able to communicate, hey, we've got fruit that are, you know, we've got stuff that's dying on the vine. We've got product that's going to go to waste and die. But actually exactly the same thing is happening in the tech sector. We have huge opportunities that are, are going to get burnt up. That was one of Suri and Taylor's points was, um, you know, hey, we, you know, we've got business that we just can't do because we send our staff off offshore to do the work. Um and they don't need to send off a whole lot. Um, they can't get them back in, so they're they're turning down, you know, work on the global stage. Um, that this will have a long term, you know, impact because you you know you win a bit of business, you build on top on top. Um, you know, if you get somebody to go off to your your competitor, um, are they going to come back? So, yeah, we we really have to uh, keep moving on this. And you know, I know this was something uh, was probably mid last year when you know, when I raised it in, in an opinion piece in the Herald yeah. and, and stuff and, and discussed it on TV3 that, you know, we, sh- we should be, you know, creating an opportunity to be able to bring people in on that side. Um, but also uh, whether that's Kiwis coming back into New Zealand or, or, or just people at that stage that would have been attracted. Um, I know it's become a lot more difficult and, uh, you know, the, the pressure on the MIQ system has clearly gone up um, dramatically, but I do like this thought of um, you know the, the those that are that are um, you know really going to get a benefit out of having people come through. Why can't we allow some sort of mechanism for them to be able to you know provide their own facilities? And uh, you know we've got ways in which we can do do testing quicker than what we you know what we have done in the past uh, for 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 COVID. Uh, the technology seems to be there, so um, you know, let's yeah. let's let's move it along. So think, uh, yeah, be a bit more creative, as you say, move it along and get a few more kind of skills in, in into the country. Maybe it's just a, a matter of um, tech's a harder one to contr- to um, to communicate on the six o'clock news. I can be a little bit cynical here. I mean, the farmer in the orchard, as you say, with all the, the apples on the trees, is a visual, a nice visual picture, but. Just a reminder, you know, the space that our burgeoning space industry is bringing in a lot of money and a lot of um, for people too. And I'm going to quote, if I can, from the uh, Ministry of uh, Business and Innovation site, because the laws governing our space industry, which is called the Outer Space and High Altitude Activities Act, is up for review. So um, they're all looking into it now, and they're basically saying that um, a 2019 report found the New Zealand space sector contributed $1.69 billion to our national economy and supports 12,000 jobs. So 
that's just the space side of things. So, yeah, I think there's a, a very good argument to be had. Yeah, and and of course it's not just it's not just tech. Um, you know, what, what you know, what, whatever whatever businesses, um, you know, have have needs there. There needs there there needs to be some sort of you know consideration. But you know, we know that that tech's part of it. Um, obviously, you know, the the sporting world is you know is effectively another area of business, and and we've been able to have you know sports people come in and out of the. Uh, um the country as well so um yeah and i just want to acknowledge one of the comments are coming through talking about why can't people work remotely that is true but there's nothing quite like being there and if you're talking about something like a whisk situation she's talking about them bringing in equipment along with expertise and things like that so it's there's a lot there's a lot in there yeah look i mean for people that can work remotely let's uh let, let, you know let's let's keep that uh you know, let's have them working remotely. But you know, you there are some scenarios where people have to get home uh, um, to their families. In terms of you know, Kiwis, uh, somebody goes off to to do a, a job in Europe that's going to take a, a week or week or two, um, which might you know might be the case with um, um, you know some some of the work from um, um, Sir, you know Sir, Sir, Sir Ian Taylor's uh, uh, team, right? So. Yeah. Um, you you need to be able to get them get them home. It's just uh, um, it's just you know necessity. People have got uh, uh, families to uh, to get back to, and um, yeah, we just we need to we need to be able to do that. And there are other people that we've got to get them into the um, you know into the country um, in order for them to to be able to get stuck in. And uh, you know certainly things like whisk, uh, you know that's this there's, there's a physical thing right they're they're, they're testing uh you know flying machines um and i'm sure they do as much as they can uh you know in a, in a, in a digital sense and, and teams working remotely but there's hands-on and if they're desperate to get somebody here hands-on from australia then uh you know no no doubt that's uh, that's maybe holding up their entire operation and uh you know we we don't want to be in this position where we're not competitive for six months and, uh, uh, you know, businesses make decisions, international businesses make decisions to go elsewhere. Uh, we know WISC could, you know, um, could make different choices. Uh, they've chosen New Zealand. Let's, uh, let's you know, try and try and keep things in balance. So I'm not yep. saying this stuff's easy or that we've, no, got, no, we've no. got all the answers. We know that the, the government are juggling, you know, juggling lots of things. Um, but we do need to we do need to wave the flag for our, our sector. Uh, I think it's you know it's really important, and uh, yeah. the stories aren't. It's not always as as simple as the you know the fruit dying on the the vine uh, type communications as you know when it comes to our sector. So I think let's uh, let's keep talking about these things. Now um, on to um, some some other topics. Um, mm -hmm. SpaceX with their uh, their their launch uh, last week, Inspiration Four. Um, how did you how did you feel about that? Was is is this a big moment in history from your your perspective, Sarah? I just find it fascinating the whole kind of space. Um, you know, when you, you know, I feel like this one kind of had a little bit more to it. It had a little bit more grounding in reality than the PR exercises that Bezos and 
with the Virgin guy transcend it. You know, that felt like a lot a more sort of like, hey, we are in space and now I'm back again. Whereas this had a little bit more substance to it. Um, I think it's fascinating. And it's, I, as I always say, it's kind of, I'm always torn again with these situations. On the one hand, that's a huge amount of money. Um, that's a huge amount of what's going on, you know, where, you know, we're, and why should it be in the hands of a small amount of people? But at the same time, I'm a tech person, and so I'm always fascinated by new ideas and what takes people to those to those ideas, and and where can we go? Um, it's I find that sort of whole equation really interesting too. What about you? Yeah, look, I mean, for me, uh, I was encouraging my son to watch it. I, I remember as as a child seeing the um, you know, the the first space shuttle launch, and that's something that's kind of etched into my mind. Uh, I was talking to a, a, a friend yesterday, not not much older than me, um, who was telling me about his experience as a, as you know being very very young, um, but his parents waking him up to I think it was must have been waking him up to see the, uh, um, the, the yeah the moon landing. Um, oh, I missed it. And so you know, there's all these um, you know things, and and so you know for this generation. Um, yeah, that, I think a pretty important moment that, you know, we, we, I mean, there, there's been, you know, illustrations and pictures and stories about, you know, sure. tourism. And mm. look, in the last few days, we have seen, um, you know, a success of, of putting, you know, four people up into orbit for, you know, around three, three days. Um, you know, this, I think, is a really, bra- it is a breakthrough moment. And it's it's just incredible, uh, you know, how quickly that we're seeing the space sector um, change. Now, it's really hard to probably pick exactly where it's going to be at in a few years' time, um, but it's really cool to watch that. But then also to know that, as you say, we've got, you know, um, well over a billion and probably realistically over $2 billion um, if it was looked at more closely now, um, you know, of um, of funds being generated um, here, you know, in New Zealand from our new space sector. Um, so incredible to be at that table. And, you know, you join the dots together and imagine, you know, uh, and I'm not sure if it would be Mahia or, you know, if the bigger rockets are necessarily going to launch from New Zealand, but that's, mm-hmm. that's my picture. Um, of uh, in some years' time, being able to go on board one of these things, and uh, you know, I'll I'll take my weekend in space. Uh, let's let's do it now. I don't know if I'll ever be able to afford it, but, uh, but it, yeah. it's interesting. Like you said, I think what you're saying is really interesting because it felt like space was all plateaued, like the development at all, sort of nothing was really happening, and then it's sort of take it taken off again, you know. And it is awesome to think that a New Zealand child, at, you know, can a tamariki here could grow up and become an astronaut in this country that is very cool one of the best presentations and i have seen a million having worked in the tech sector for a long time that i ever saw was buzz aldrin the the telcos brought him out about 10 years ago and i think we've spoken about this before and it was just it chills down your spine when he talked about it and he must have given this presentation so many times but i just remember thinking wow it was just it was so such an incredible presentation and all with the technology he held up his blackberry so that's how long ago it was which was we all just you know wanted a blackberry then held up yes. his blackberry and he said there's more technology in this blackberry than uh, than took us to the moon and um you know so fantastic yeah yeah um 
so yeah, I mean that's a that's that's a that's a, a mass a massive area, and I just look forward to uh, um, you know what we can talk about next, and and you know of course Peter Beck's been you know very generous with his time, and you know has, has been on our podcasts oh, on definitely. on a you know number of occasions, um, yeah. you know through that journey, and and you know just so so um, you know so willing to share, which is um, you know which which is awesome. Um, now. Sir Clive Sinclair, do you remember this man, Sarah Putt? I, ha- I have to say the name rang the bell, it rang a bell, and so I looked him up and I thought, yeah, I just it reminded me of that time, and I was very young. Um, but um, just the and it just what it reminded me, of course, he died, didn't he? He was 81, was he was he 83, somewhere like that. And of course, he was the CS Sinclair, wasn't he? Is that what we, we called it? Or? Yeah, eighty one. So there was the. Um, it started out with the um, the ZX eighty was the um, you know the the first of his uh, computers that I was aware of. Um, the ZX eighty one was the one that really seemed to uh, take off. I I still remember uh, a friend that had a, a ZX eighty one. I don't. I just knew it. I knew when I saw that story come through. I said, Paul will have had one or have gone around to a mate's or something like that. Yeah. Well, yeah. the ZX81 was a pretty, you know, com- you know, um, I guess, you know, it, it was exciting. It was quite, you know, quite cheap. Um, I think the, the, the ZX80 launched in the UK for um, around 100 or a bit under 100 pounds. Um, I'm not sure what the exchange rates were, you know, in New Zealand at that at that stage, um, but it was an affordable amount, not just for a, a family to buy, but even, you know, even for you know teenagers and so on, you know, were able to buy this uh, this sort of tech, and then quite quickly after the the ZX81, which was a, a, a little you know computer, um, it started I think with um, I was going to say a. a a meg of RAM. Um, it started with one K of RAM. Um, that's one thousand and twenty-four bytes of of RAM for uh, for those that aren't old enough to to remember. Um, and then you could uh, you could plug in a a, a, a sixteen um, kilobyte expansion module, which if you bumped it, the whole thing reset, and you lost whatever software you'd just spent four hours keying into it. Or if you'd loaded something off tape, you you know had to reload and, and so on. I mean, it was, it, I mean, just night and day different to where we are today. And then you know quickly the ZX Spectrum came out, um, which which was color and uh, I think it was forty eight uh, k of RAM. And there were all sorts of games, and it was you know it was it was just um, you know huge in terms of how it went. In the UK and some of the other markets like uh, New Zealand and, and Australia, um, and it, you know he he was always inventing stuff. There were all sorts of other things that um, um, you know that that uh, Sinclair research uh, came up with, and he even had this um, electric. And I don't even know how you how you describe it. Uh, it was the C five? It got mocked in the media when it came out, but uh, you know probably if it came out today. Um, it'd be a, there'd be a few tweaks to it, and it would be added to um, the electric vehicles, and and would be a you know um, a, a gadget of some you know some level of popularity. Um, but it was a kind of a um, you know a, a sit down 
you know, um, cross between a, I don't know, a very mini car and a cycle and it wasn't labelled as a... what it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it wasn't labelled either way. Um, yeah. And and certainly hard to sort of see because it was so low down. And I think of people on those um, those sort of sit-down um, cycles and they often have a... I see one that drives down uh, Sandringham Road or right, is ridden down Sandringham Road sometimes, usually has a, a big flag off it so that it gets uh, seen by vehicles but um yeah very very innovative for for its time and you can imagine if we added in the if, you know if the, the latest technology went into it um you know it'd probably be something that would do uh do reasonably well these days so yeah really um you know a um uh you know sad sad thing to see um you know some of these these incredible innovators um pass away but you know they've, they've had such a big impact on um you know on so many lives Absolutely. And I think like the enthusiasm that you talk about it, and I can see people coming through on LinkedIn and talking about it as well, is that it's that idea about creating and being part of not just being a, a passive recipient of technology, but actually getting in there and creating things. And I, we were talking before the show about the New Zealand industry and computers were actually made here in the early 80s. It reminded me of the, the Poly One, which was you can see one in the Auckland University's got one, they've got a little computer kind of collection of old computers and, and all sorts of different things. And Motat's got one. And this was what built by Neil Scott and Paul Bryant in the early 80s. And it this was, because we're New Zealand and we're very serious, this was much more about education than games. <laughs> yes. But um, let's face it, gaming is responsible for bringing so many people into the industry. And in those days, and I remember the early 80s, and my dad bought, uh, um, he didn't buy one, bring one of those home, but he bought a similar kind of thing. And I spent hours, hours programming it and not realising that that's what I was doing. I was programming. But what's really interesting about those experiences as well and especially in America is that so many of them were not necessarily Sinclair and I can't lay claim to Sinclair but a lot of those early computers were very much marketed at boys and dads and that what happened is that they've said there's been a lot of research is that that's often why young women didn't get into computer science because I think we've spoken about this before because when they actually got to university and did maths or whatever or they go, oh, you can do computers, and they do computers, but they hadn't had this whole childhood or teenagehood of mucking around with computers like the Sinclair or whatever, whatever there was, um, and so they, they they didn't have this. There was an, an implied level of knowledge that they they fell back and they left out, and of course, there's a whole bunch of other issues around women in tech as well. But I always thought that 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 um, that theory held a lot of weight because I saw it happen in my own my own growing up in the 80s and 90s so yeah so it was really interesting yeah and of course and I you know I saw some of the comments coming through from um, from the, the live stream uh, you know there there was Commodore the Commodore 64 Vic 20 was very popular uh, here in New Zealand um, my school had the acorn um, Archimedes and and you know the 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 their technology ended up sort of being the the forerunner um, to the uh, the chips that are now in you know all our smartphones and and uh, and and so on. Um, Sega had a uh, had a computer which was one of the first ones um, that uh, that was in my home, um, which was very similar actually to the the ZX Spectrum and 
you know probably slightly slightly better executed in um, you know in some areas but realistically the a lot of the technology inside was was very very similar um, and uh, you know there there was um, you know a whole bunch whole bunch of others um, that came through and of course um, you know this this window of time was when uh, when Apple really you know got established and uh, and and you know just grew like crazy um, and uh, and then it was on to you know the IBM PC and uh, uh, and and the Mac which of, of course you know um, all born around a very very similar um, in a very similar time window quite a short space of time um, but of course it ended up um, you know being um, Microsoft and 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 the IBM PC on on one side and, and Apple with the Mac on the other side yeah. that uh, um, you know has really kept the industry moving at uh, at pace over over a very long period of time. So um, yeah, very very exciting and you know of course Apple and um, you know ultimately uh, you know Microsoft um, you know it was it was down to the software. And um, you know that that was that was the thing where where the most competition was and uh, where the big gains were made. Sort of you know to not entirely regardless of the underlying technology, um, but uh, very uh, very interesting to kind of look back and uh, um, you know see just just how smart some of some of uh, you know certain players were. Um, yes. And uh, Steve Jobs and, and and Bill Gates, of course, sitting at the at the top of uh, the top of that stack. So, they uh, certainly yeah. are. But but rest in peace, um, Sir Clive Sinclair. I think that he brought um, something to the table. Absolutely. Definitely. Now, before we finish up, a couple more things I thought it'd be good to uh, cover off. I mean, we could get into all of the technology. Um, that uh, Australia and the US and the UK are um, have been uh, talking about um, in in recent days, their uh, nuclear powered um, submarines. Um, that probably gets pretty political fairly fairly quickly. Um, I did notice though that that if you sort of delved into um, you know what what was what was um, said by uh, uh, Biden and his announcement that it wasn't just about nuclear uh, tech. That's the headline, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was talking about um, you know collaboration and cooperation on artificial intelligence, cybersecurity, um, and quantum computing. Now, whether that was just to kind of try and balance it out, or whether there's a whole lot more behind the scenes um, on that front. Um, yeah, I'll be I'll be curious as to how that plays out. But certainly, you know what what we see is that uh, you know Ch- China appear to have this goal of uh, of leading when it comes to um, artificial in- intelligence and, uh, and and machine learning. And uh, you know, I think um, the US is uh, is you know probably might, mighty worried about what that could uh, look like if they're not leading. Uh, in this, in the same way that they, uh, you know, ultimately led, um, you know, when it came to personal computing and to to software, you know, thanks to the the the, the people that we just spoke about. Um, so um, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to just to see um, whether this is some sort of a turning point um, in history, and uh, you know how much of a role that military um, plays in the in the future of of those technologies. Um, but we did want to talk a little bit. Um, 
Elizabeth Holmes uh, trial oh, and Theranos, uh, yeah. Theranos, yeah. I would definitely say just to say about the China, uh, China versus um, the US, the cybersecurity is obviously also massive. So absolutely, it's almost feeling like you know in tech you've got to pick sides, but. I look at what China's doing in terms of its, you know, what it's done with the guy from Alibaba and, you know, um, the IPO that didn't happen and and all those sorts of things. What's going on in their consumer tech space is also really fascinating as well. So I absolutely agree. We could talk to a whole session on China. Yeah, um, I mean, you could you could just, I mean, just with what you've just said, it makes it, it left in my mind the immediate thinking, boy, if you were a tech leader in China. Um, <laughs> You know, would, would your first thought be, how do I get out of here and and move to the West to build my business? Because, you know, it doesn't matter how well and how, how you know, far you go, um, you know, the, the state is potentially going to, um, you know, put a bit of a box around you, shall we say. Yeah, yeah. One one little speech in Shanghai two years ago or something, and now we've not seen him maybe a couple of times. Very interesting. Um just really super quick on Elizabeth Holmes, though, the Theranos. Now, people will remember that she was the, the tech um, woman who, who raised something like um, you know, billions of dollars. She got people like Henry Kissinger um, and George Schultz on her board. Uh, she was just the first big kind of female tech giant, per, you know, and all predicated on the idea that you could prick your finger so you didn't have to have those um, intense blood, you know, when you went to get a blood test and that that would be able to, you could diagnose all these illnesses. And it was a fantastic idea. Sadly, though, she didn't have the technology to actually see it through. Um, lots of smoke and mirrors. She's up at the moment. Um, it's taken them three years to get her trial. And she's um, she's defending her charges. Uh, and she's basically saying a lot of it is that she was led by the, her relationship at the time, her boyfriend. He sort of made her do it to a certain extent. I don't know how much of that is going to come out and you know, be you know in the courts. There's certainly something to be said for what she did, and she obviously needs to pay the price of that. Um, but you know, some people are saying, well, just because you know, there's a lot of men in tech who've done a lot of things that are not paying that price. You know, look what Facebook does. You know, or what Facebook's been proven. You know, all the the things that that's been responsible for, um, you know, lots of really bad behaviour from lots of big tech company uh, leaders that seem to go unpunished. So it'll be such an interesting one to watch. I think she was such an interesting person. Um, you know, she was a real cautionary tale that you can, she she so modelled herself on Steve Jobs. She even wore his clothes, you know, the, the, the classic black polo neck. She lowered her voice so she'd speak like a man. Uh, she did everything to be the tech founder, she just couldn't back it up with the tech. So a really fascinating trial to be watching from afar. Yeah, fascinating. I didn't know she had sort of lowered her voice as such. I just oh, thought yes, that was... Apparently. So, so wow. she would be sound like a man, more like a man, and, and obviously she saw that as being as being necessary to be taken more seriously, which in and of itself is a very sad thing. But mm, mm, um, really interesting case. And Elaine Payo, who is... Um, who, was one of the very first venture capitalists and then she went to Reddit and sort of um, has herself had a really kind of a tough kind of um, career in tech. Yes, yeah. 
she said she felt she brought up that whole line of like you know do we hold women to a different standard than men in technology um and i can see her point but, mm, but yeah. i don't think you can excuse the idea that you you, you know she had these blood tests in walmarts in arizona you know ordinary people were getting false readings yeah it's, yeah the damage that you could potentially cause. And, you know, unlike Mark Zuckerberg, her business has not survived. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And and I think you raised some really, really interesting points there. And, uh, you know, we certainly need to, need to, you know, consider are we, you know, are we creating a level playing field or... Um, you know, are things still still tilted in, a, in an unfair um, direction, and how do we address those things? Um, now, just uh, just quickly, the other thing I was going to mention is I've been playing with a with a new uh, a new gadget over the last uh, the last few days. I don't know if you can hear that beeping sound, but uh, mm-hmm. that is the new um, GoPro, uh, oh, the GoPro Ten. Um, so that has now arrived into, um, into the market, uh, globally. And, uh, these, it's a little bit like, um, you know, I guess looking at the new iterations of phones from Apple and others, except, you know, GoPros don't have so many things that they can do in advance forward on each year. Um, you know, it's all about, uh, it's all about, you know, the action, uh, video side, um, what they have done is um, a few years ago with a GoPro 6, so I guess that'd be about four years ago, um, they launched their, 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 their own silicon or their own you know design uh, chip, the GP1. Uh, that carried through the GoPro 6, 7, 8, 9. They've now refreshed that uh, with a GP2, so a new chip um, makes it a whole lot faster. And that allows them to to do a bunch of stuff, but uh, improve their frame rates, for instance. So, at uh, full HD and 2.7K, you can go at uh, I think 240 frames per second. Um, wow. And yeah. at um, 4K, and I think uh, at, yeah, 4K, and um, and maybe at 5.7K that they go up to. Uh, maybe it's 5.3K. Um, they can do I think it's 120 frames a second. Um, so you know they're 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 changing it up, um, but uh, it's not a it's not a big sort of wholesale change. They're using the same uh, new design that they brought in with the GoPro Nine. Um, but it is nice to see that they continue to iterate every year. And really, their main uh, competition, um, you know, in that action cam space, they've had um, DJI uh, playing in that space. Um, but DJI are not so not so quick in terms of releasing you know a new product. So theirs is getting a little bit stale in the market. Um, and what I've noticed is the DJI products seem to be quite um, um, not always well looked after in terms of firmware updates. So sometimes a device will have you know bugs or issues with it, and mm. then they'll abandon it, move on to the next one, and not necessarily release a firmware update. Um, whereas the GoPros, uh, yeah, when they first come out onto the market, a new model, sometimes there can be a few, you know, glitches, uh, but, you know, they, they keep issuing those firmware updates and, uh, you know, making them into a, into a better product. Um, so such as I think they added, um, I don't know if it was the last one or the one before they added a webcam, you know, capability that you can, 
you can hook it in. In fact, I probably should have plugged it in and used it for this call. Um, but yeah, they've they've got new stuff coming through all you know each year, um, as well as then updates coming through. So I know some of the features that they've touted uh, for the GoPro 10 aren't even available yet. Um, they'll make those ones available in a um, um, in a in a um, software update or, or a firmware update over the next few weeks. Um, so, so, that, you, so I was going to say, are you of the view that these businesses should be really putting something out different every year? Like, you know, like we saw the iPhone 13 last week, which wasn't, wasn't I mean, it was just, you know, basically a, kind of an incremental upgrade, if you like, compared to some of the other. So you, so you believe that sort of to stay in the races that were every year, there should be a new one out there. Well, if you if a if um if a manufacturer is not going to do that to stay up, then they need to be improving through software and firmware updates and so on, right? Um, so you look at an iPhone, an iPhone that you know, let's say you want to use an iPhone that's four or five years old. Well, it keeps getting better with with software updates. So um, you end you end up with a better product. Um, you know, um, at at the spendy end, you buy you know you buy a Tesla. Um, there's not necessarily, a, you know, an annual update cycle with them like there is with other car manufacturers. They take a slightly different approach mm-hmm. and that they'll just slipstream in and they'll add new features as they go and changes along at any point. Um, but the very large majority of the new capabilities that they, um, you know, that they launch are uh, either through software or you'll actually be able to swap out the parts of the 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 um, you know the vehicle and pay for some new chips and um, new, new new entertainment system, full self drive computer, whatever. Um, those components become a you know become available, and that totally differentiates them from every single other you know car manufacturer. And I think um, the way GoPro have been uh, you know taking so seriously the market that they effectively created um you know this creates a bit of a wall um around them because you can see that the competitors don't um you know don't take the market as seriously um as they do and of course you know they they have to otherwise their uh, their share price is going to drop and it, it's all going to fall fall to pieces so um you know they they can't uh rest rest on this one the pressure of capitalism eh? <laughs> well, it is certainly some, um, you know, some, 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 some wins because of uh, because of it, right? So, uh, yeah. Um, now, Sarah, um, before we finish up, tell us what's happening in your oh. world. Are there any, you know, are there any things happening in the world of IDG, CIO, and so on? The big news for me is CIO fifty. So we've got everybody in. So thank you to anybody who who put through um, the entry for our program. So basically CIO 50 is our top 50 um, IT leaders in New Zealand. Um, and that it's, so as opposed to, you know, tech startup, it's the, other, it's the people that are running and, and creating IT in their organizations to, you know, to improve them. And as somebody, as we all say in IT all the time, you know, everything's about digital transformation. Every, you know, your, your whole business is all digital and wrapped up in everything. So lots of innovation happening in this, in these areas amongst our CIOs and our CDOs um, often, you know, don't, 
you know, that this is where we want to learn about it. It's often, you know, arguably just as hard, if not harder, to create and transform a big company, a big organisation, a big government department. There's some fantastic work going up. The innovation this year is we're going to collect them all. We always put them on the website once we announce, which we'll announce late October. But we're also going to create an ebook. So in one place, you can have the 50 best IT leaders in this country in Aotearoa, and you can just go and have a look to your heart's content and see what they all did and, and what how they moved their organisations. We've got them from the telcos, we've got them from electricity, power, um, right across the board. Very exciting. Excellent, excellent. Oh, that's great. Well, um, yeah, I've certainly in, in, enjoyed, um, you know, attending some of those, um, uh, you know, CIO uh, events in the past. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's always exciting to see, uh, um, you know, who, who comes through. And there are just so many, so many stories. And, it, you know, it's great, I think, to, uh, to highlight, um, you know, all, all the work that's going on within um, you know the varying areas of technology in New Zealand, and um, yeah, the the CIO Fifty Awards certainly an important part of that. So, thank you for that. Well, that's us for this week on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Sarah, where do people need to uh, to go to uh, to find you online? They need to go cio.co.nz um, and have a look on there and um, and read all about all. We've got lots of other stories up there as well. Um, obviously, a lot of global stuff, but also some of our recent ones. We're looking at a new deployment in the corrections have done in prisons, which is actually resulting in less what they call or more unlock time, which means less prisoners getting out of their cells more and getting into more rehabilitation programs and just you know improving their whole kind of experience. Um, we've got a really interesting woman talking about um, adopting te ao Māori principles when you're looking at data and analytics strategies, some very challenging and interesting ideas there. So lots to have a look at. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Sarah Putt, and thanks, everyone, for joining us, and we'll be back again uh, next, next week with the next episode. So, yeah, take care, everyone. Thanks. And thank you, Paul. See ya. A special thank you to our partners who make the New Zealand Tech Podcast possible and are proud supporters of the tech and innovation ecosystems here in New Zealand. They are Umbrella Connect, Vocus, Vodafone, Spark, HP and Gorilla Technology. New Zealand's Tech Podcast, the voice of the tech community. Proudly supported by Umbrella Connect.